Amen. 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 Praise the Lord, everybody. Let's stand together and have a word of prayer so we might begin and get into the word of God. Uh, are you glad to be here tonight? If you are, let me hear you say yes. All right. Let's get our prayer in now as we get ready to study. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege and opportunity. Well, Father, we're just elated to be here tonight. Uh, we don't deserve to be here. Uh, we've, done, we've done nothing to merit your goodness to us. But God, you're just awesome. You're just a phenomenal God. And when we look back over our lives and see how good you've been to us, God, we have no other choice but to thank you. And so tonight, we just want to utter these words. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the privilege. Now, as we study the word, we recognize that the word, in fact, cannot be understood except we have the help of the Holy Spirit. For the individual tonight that does not know what the Spirit of God is, I pray that your Spirit will work anyway. Show us, reveal to us, make plain to us what the Holy Scriptures has to say. It is our prayer in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen, amen and amen. I hear a little whistle in the microphone. Can you hear it? I hear a little whistle. Y'all hear that? A little, little feedback. Okay. As, as they're working that out, I want you to take out your blue document. If you have your blue document tonight, by the way, welcome. Thank you. Thank, good to see y'all tonight. How you feeling? You feeling all right? Uh, tonight is a, a very informative subject, and I think that all that are here tonight will be blessed by it. Uh, study guide number six, Heaven on Earth, the Power of the Sabbath. Incidentally, as you can see on the uh, screens, if you go to our website, some of you have already been doing that. I've been getting emails from those of you who are uh, blessed to understand how to use technology. And you can go on the, you can go on the internet to our website, gvillesda.org, and go to our media section. And every sermon that's been preached already, including a whole bunch of others, are there. Flight School is there. Fearless University is there. And the Ten Commandments series is, is, is uploaded as well, as well as our Sabbath teachings. And so we, um, if you want to get caught up, if you want to review, if you want to take out your handy companion guide, open up your Bible and get further deep in the Word of God, we're trying to make everything available to you. We ain't hiding nothing. Come on, say amen. Uh, it's, all, it's all out there. It's all, we're putting it all out there for you. And we just pray that you'll just taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's go to work. Take out your pencils and let's, let's, let's get right into it tonight. Tonight we've got quite a bit. We're going to have you out of here by 8.15, by the grace of God. And uh, we're going to take a minute just to review. There are three sections in the book of Revelation. As you know, Revelation has been our launching pad book. Three sections in the book of Revelation. Uh, those three sections I like to call three pieces of meat. It makes a good sandwich. Come on, say amen. Not a corned beef sandwich either, uh, as the uh, elder. <laughs> Ah, so uh, the sandwich of Revelation, it's kind of, the book is kind of designed like a sandwich. There, there's, a, there's, a, there's a piece of bread on the top, which we'll call the introduction, and there's a piece of bread on the bottom, which we'll call the conclusion. Now, I want to ask you very poignantly tonight, what does the, the introduction and the conclusion mean? This is just a short quiz from what we've gone over. What is, the, what is the main point of the introduction and the conclusion? Somebody tell me. That's right. Jesus is coming again. Say it what? What is it, everybody? All right, that's real simple. If you want to understand the book of Revelation, look at the beginning and the ending. When I was in, uh, well, I'm still in school now, but when I was in university, when I was in studying my master's, they would give us like six books to read. And we had to read those books like in two weeks. And, and, and they don't expect you to read every page, but there's a way to read six books. Uh, it's called speed reading. Uh, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. 
And what they'll tell you is that you read the, the, the first sentence, the first paragraph of every chapter, and the last paragraph. And you read the first chapter of every book and the last chapter because there's generally an introduction and a conclusion. You can figure out a book that way, period. I do it right now. I'm reading probably about 20 books at the same time right now. No lie. But that's how you understand. This is how the Bible was written. In the beginning of Genesis, we understand God made us to be with us. In the book of Revelation, he's coming back again. Somebody say again. He's coming back again to be with us. The whole thing of the gospel, the whole part of the point of the Bible is that God wants to be with us. Somebody say with us again. And so the three sections that we looked at, obviously there's a section of the seven churches. And you can study that in your spare time. Then there's a section of the sealed scroll being opened. And then the third section is what we've been focused on. And that's what's inside this sealed scroll. It's open now in Revelations 12 through 22. What's in there? Chapter 14 tells us what the main root of the matter is. And we have identified that as Revelations 14, 6 through 12. There are how many flying angels? Three, Three flying angels. And they teach us how to get ready for the coming of the Lord. And I've been asking y'all. Uh, I've been flicking the television. I, I, I like religious uh, programming and television. I, I love watching it. But how come ain't nobody talking about the coming of the Lord? I mean, if this if, if it's about to happen, if he said it's going to happen, how come we're not talking about it? How come we're not planning for it? How can we not eat, sleeping, and breathing the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? If, uh, if, 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 if somebody was coming to your house and you expected guests, you get ready for them. Come on, say amen. The most important event in earth's history is about to go down. And Revelation is telling us how to get ready. How, to get, how many of y'all want to be ready? How many want to be ready? Praise the Lord. Now, flight truth number six. Tonight, we want to know uh, heaven on earth. What is, what is that idea about? Heaven on earth. Heaven on earth is what we want to teach on tonight by the grace of God. Revelation 14, 6 through 7. Now let's go to the text. Together, help me read this. The Bible says, then I, uh-huh, flying in the midst of what? Having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell where? On the earth. Uh, every what? Nation, tribe, tongue, and what else? Saying with what kind of voice? Fear God and do what? Give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. That's what we studied last uh, sermon. The judgment of God. The period of judgment we're living in. Judgment has come. Uh, the uh, tester tonight told you it was an easy test. But uh, that, that was a tough question that he asked you there if you weren't paying attention. <laughs> ah, but judgment has come. It's not going to come. It has come. Amen. And notice the focus now that God wants us to, to give attention to in the times we're living in. The very first thing that comes out of his mouth after he tells us we're living in a time of judgment is worship. Am I not reading that correctly? First thing he says is, and you may not be able to see that other part clearly, uh, but your Bible is there, or you can look right here in your document. It says, for the hour of his judgment has come. In other words, we are living in a time where decisions are being made. And so notice what the recommendation is. God is saying, focus now on worship. Come on, say amen. amen. The issue, I would like to suggest to you tonight, the real issue is an issue of worship. There's no such thing as having a spiritual life and a secular life in the eyes of God. Your whole life is a decision of worship. You were born worshiping, you're going to die worshiping. Come on, say amen. You live and you die as a worshiper. You were created to worship. And you never make a choice 
as to, well, let me, let me rephrase it this way. You, you make either one choice or the other as to whom you're going to worship. So by, if you don't worship God, by default, you worship something else. You are a worshiper. What are you, everybody? So the issue God is trying to bring us back to is an issue of what? So the Bible says, listen to what he's saying. He says, because you're living in the hour of judgment, worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Let me ask you a question. The issue then is what? Come on, talk to me. The issue is what? Now, to whom is the Bible saying we should worship? <coughs> All right. The Bible. Uh, yes, we should worship God. How do y'all know that's God? Because the Bible doesn't say worship God. You're assuming that, right? Of course, we know that's God. But, 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 but your assumption is based on what? Ah, it says worship him who did what? Made heaven and earth. Now, the only way you could say it's God is because our assumption tonight is that God is a creator God. Come on, say amen. So watch this now. And I think you ought to write this down as a note. That the issue of worship in the last days is an issue of worship that should direct us back to creation. Write the word creation down. That is very crucial. The word creation next to your slide. I don't know what slide number that is. I don't know if we even have them numbered. But if you look there, you want to write down the word creation. Write the word creation down next to that slide. The word creation. God is calling us back to worship the creator. Now. There's a reason why God is why the word of God is identifying God as the creator God. The reason is, is that people have forgotten who the creator is. Are you listening to me now? Are y'all following this? The issue then is what? Come on, I need, I need a class in here tonight. This flight school. The issue is what? Uh, to worship who? Him that did what? That made, the word made is the word created. So it's an issue of worship, but the issue specifically is to get our attention on the creator God, God who created. So notice now, it's turning our attention back toward what? Back toward what? Creation. Come on now, give yourselves a hand. Y'all are working with the preacher tonight. Come on, come on, give yourselves a hand. The issue of work, that was a tired clap. Give yourselves a hand. Come on, come on, come on. All right, all right. Most of you probably say, I don't deserve it because I said the wrong answer. That's all right. Uh, the issue of worship in these last days is specifically an issue of worship to direct us back to him who did what? Made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of waters. Let me explain something to you right now about the book of Revelation. The reason why Revelation is written in coded language is not to confuse people. It is in coded language. In other words, if you just open the book of Revelation, you cannot rightly understand the book of Revelation without understanding the coded language that is used. Most of the language used in Revelation is language taken from the Old Testament. It is Hebrew language. Somebody say Hebrew language. Ah, it is done that way because when John the Revelator, who is the author of the book of Revelation under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit... The Bible says in chapter 1 that he was on the Isle of Patmos being persecuted. When John was writing the book of Revelation, he was writing, catch this now, he was writing during a time of persecution of Christians. So if he were to write this book, spelling out the obvious, and notice now, he was, he was being persecuted by Rome. In the book of Revelation, there are strong accusations against the empire of Rome. 
So he had to write to Christians in coded language in order to protect them. Do y'all follow this now? But, watch this now, if you were a Hebrew, you would understand exactly what he's talking about. Now, I say all this to say this. When we read this, it's hard for us to directly understand the connections that are being made, the dots that are being connected, because we're 2,000 years removed. But for somebody living in that time, when the Bible says, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water, they automatically recognize that this was a call back to worship, but specifically a call back to the worship issue of creation. What is the worship issue of creation? We're going to find that out right now. Let's go back to Eden. Can we go back to Eden? Are y'all ready? Can we go back to Eden? All right, here we go. Let's discern what the word of God says. The Bible says, Genesis 1 and 27. Read this with me, brothers and sisters. The Bible says, so God created man in his own what? In the image of God, he created him. Church, say amen. amen. Say, I'm created in the image of God. Yeah, you need to tell yourself every now and then. Just because just you, uh, uh, you know, uh, not shaped the way you want to be, you, you're still made in his image. Come on, say amen. Just because your eyesight doesn't work the way you want it to work, you're still made in the image of God. Come on, say amen. Regardless of how you feel about yourself, you're made in the image of God. Let's go back to your creation. God, God at creation did an awesome thing. In six days, God made everything that you see. <laughs> Except that now what you see has been marred by sin. But God, in six days, you know there are folks saying now there is no such thing as a six-day creation? That, that it, 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 there's no, no such thing as creation at all? That some big bang happened? That we are nothing more than a result of some amoeba and some, some kind of, uh, some kind of uh, like, uh, uh, just scientific evolutionary uh, uh, discovery? No, in fact, we were created by God. Now look at verse 31 of chapter 1. The Bible says, after God created everything he did, he had made, the Bible says, indeed, it was very what? Good. It was very what? Good. It was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So out of the six days of creation, we're getting now to the end of creation. To what point of creation, everybody? To the end. Now, remember now, we're trying to find out what God is saying in Revelations 14 about worshiping the creator God. What is the connection? Let's find out. Genesis 2 and verse 1 says... Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were what? Were what? So God in six days had created the heavens and the earth. Most of what he created, he did with his mouth. He spoke and it came to pass. He thought it in his mind and when he uttered it out of his mouth, it happened. That's how bad God is, in a good sense. Come on, say amen. That's why if God doesn't speak it, it will not happen. The very thoughts in his mind sometimes have to be contained in silence because if God says it, it has to come to pass. Are you hearing me now? And this is why God is silent in some of your lives because he's not yet ready for you to receive the blessing he has. But when he speaks, come on somebody in here. You've got to understand the power of his word. We see that in Genesis. When he speaks... Flowers shoot up. Come on now. Stars are flung in place. Somebody told me there's a star that's bigger than the actual Milky Way solar system in which we live in. God spoke that with his mouth. I don't know how he's that big, but yet can get down and, 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 and carve man with his own hand. How does he get down in the planet and make the man then step out and hold the world in the palm of his hand? I don't know. But he's God all by himself. Come on, say amen. 
thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. Genesis 2 and verse 2. Now, we're not going to finish all this tonight. I already know that. But, I, but one thing I want to get in your mind. Let me get this in your mind. That at creation, hear me now, everything you want to understand about God's plan can be understood in the first three chapters of the Bible. You don't even have to go out of Genesis and you can understand where God is going. You can understand exactly how God wants you to live, how he wants you to eat, how he wants you to relate to people in the first three chapters of Genesis. As a matter of fact, you will even understand how he wants to save you in the first three chapters. Now, I got to make this clear tonight. I've got to stick in Genesis tonight because there are some churches and theologians and preachers who would like to suggest and make arguments about stuff after the book of Genesis. I'm going to explain that in a minute. So, so we all agree that God created. Say amen. amen. We all believe that God created the world in six days. Say amen. amen. We all believe that God's word is powerful. Say amen. amen. We all believe that God created man from the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and it became a living soul. Do you agree with that? Do we believe that God, through his creative power, is able to redeem man even when man messes up? Do you agree? All right. Now, if you agree with Genesis 1 through 3, then you better agree what we're going to teach tonight. Genesis 2, 2 says, and on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. Stay right there. Six days, he's working. Six days, he's speaking. Come on, somebody. Six days, he thinks and speaks and a world comes into existence. Six days, he, he tells light to move to the left and, and darkness to move to the right and, and causes seasons to happen. Six days, he, he, he names butterflies and ants, and he's able to create systems of ecosystems and, 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 and solar systems and, 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 and water systems with his mouth in six days. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to be preaching this thing tonight, but I, I get excited about that because if God in six days, uh, one of my favorite songs when I, that I learned as a kid uh, growing up in uh, vacation Bible school, the song says, he's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. Now don't sing with me. Let me sing it to you. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Y'all missed that. That was heavy. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed heavy theology. Well, watch this now. In six days, he made the moon and the star. He, every the whole world, the planets and systems in six days. But watch this now. In spite of your sorry self, it's taken you 10 years to get your act together. But guess what? He's still working on you. Come on in here. The mercy of God, his patience with the detailed systems of a planet. And human beings, I, I don't know, I forgot how many bones are in the human body. It's like 208. And, and then our skin system, if it were stretched out, would stretch almost the size of a football field. And we have veins, and we have nervous system, and we have muscles. And, and then with all that, it's still a mystery that our heart beats. 
God did that in six days. What? No, no, no. He did that in six days with man, with animal, with beast, with, with ant, with insect. He did that with his mouth. Why can't God handle your financial situation? Why can't he handle your children? Come on in here, somebody. Why can't he deal with that thing that you've been struggling with? If he can create a world in six days, he can recreate your life. Come on, say amen. amen. But on the seventh day, after he had worked, the Bible says that he stopped working. One day he worked. The next day he worked all the way until the seventh. And the Bible says on what day, everybody? Seven. The seventh day. The Bible says, and he did what? And he did what? Who rested? God rested. Now, that blows my mind. Is he tired? Does God get tired? I mean, is he worn out? I mean, just in six days, all, he, all he's doing is standing back speaking. So is he tired? Is he worn out? I, I, I want to posit to you tonight that what God did in Genesis with these new with this new creation called man, everything he did was in demonstration. Somebody say demonstration. Was, de was in demonstration to show them how to live. Now watch this. I was blown away. When I looked up the word that he rested from on the seventh day and, and from all his work which he had done. Now watch this. The Bible says this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were what, everybody? When they were created. He rested and he blessed. The word blessed in the Hebrew means it literally gives you a picture of somebody getting down and kissing the ground. I, I, I can imagine big old God, after he's created, he still has the mud of, uh, of Adam's creation dripping off of his hands. And he gets down, big old God, and kisses the earth. Then the Bible says he steps back, says this is good. He says, listen, this is so good that we ought to just take a day just to enjoy how good this is. <laughs> the purpose of the Sabbath. First, God rested from work and the world. Six days of work, God rested. Number two, God blessed. He blessed. He did what, everybody? He blessed the day. And that which God blesses, no man can unbless. Then the word of God says, he sanctified a day or made it holy. Let's continue to study. Notice what it says in Exodus 20. Now, Anytime you use this text, there's some folk who will say, well, this was for the Jews. This was for the Israelites. Well, watch this now. When God created the heavens and the earth, there were no Jews. When God gave the first Sabbath, there were no, there were, there were no Negroes. Come on, say amen, somebody. Y'all know all the races and stuff were divided after the flood. There were no identifiable uh, 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 separate, separate groups and ethnicities. There was only one ethnicity, and that was man, Anthropos. That's it. And so, watch this now. When God first made Sabbath, God first made Sabbath for the ideal man. In the ideal world. It was not made for Seventh-day Adventists. It was not made for Jews. It was not made for Seventh-day Baptists. It wasn't made for folk who were, God says, I made this for the, I, for, for the perfect world, for the way I want you to enjoy life at its best. I gave this for everyone as I intended. 
Not truthfully, I don't have to go to another text in the Bible to tell you that the Sabbath is still the seventh day of the Sabbath. Because in the beginning, somebody say the beginning, he made it so. So when you get to Exodus 20, God does not say, I got a new teaching for you. He does not say, listen here, you Jewish people. I want to do something special with you that I haven't done with anybody else. As a matter of fact, what does he say? I want to see the same screen y'all looking at. What's the first word that comes out of the Lord's mouth? Remember. What does it say? Remember. Now, what does remember mean? Y'all tell me. What does remember mean? It, it means don't forget. If Elder Tate says he's going to loan me $100 and for several weeks I've not received it, uh, the first thing I'm going to say to him is, uh, Elder Tate, uh, remember? <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Remember what you told me, uh, which is to say, let's go back, right? The word remember means let's go back, right? Every now and then. And I'm gonna, <laughs> one of the best spiritual lessons that you can learn is the, is the blessing of remembering. Thank God for memory. There are bad memories and there are good memories. But see, if you forget where you came from, if you forget where God has brought you, if you forget where you were and what you were doing when you were there, then you will have a false concept. Listen, everybody. You will not be able to understand the future of where you're going if you don't understand what God has done in the past. So notice now, he's got a brand, he's trying to start something with this special group of people. And the first thing he says is, remember. Which is to say, what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm reminding you of something that has always been. I'm not starting anything new with a new group of people. I'm, this is not just for a denomination. What I'm telling you is in the beginning when I created man perfect, I gave him the right diet. I gave him the right crib to live in. Come on, say amen, somebody. I gave him, I gave him everything he needed. I gave him the relationship with me and him. By the way, some of you, uh, I'm getting excited about this thing. In the book of Genesis, I told you, first three chapters, you can find everything you need to know about life and salvation. Now, it blows my mind that, uh, that Adam had a face-to-face -face relationship with God. Come on, somebody. Uh, there was no prayer and Bible study. He didn't need to pray or read the Bible. When he had a question about life, he just said, uh, Father, let's talk for a minute. Jesus, let me holler at you for a minute. Holy Spirit, come on in here and let me show you something and just explain to me if I'm on the right track. Are y'all following me now? He had a face-to-face -face relationship. Creation was exactly how God wanted us to be. So he said, remember the what, everybody? The Sabbath day to do what? And six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, nor your, nor your, nor your, nor your, nor your, nor your stranger who is within your gates. Now watch this now. Again, this goes back. For in six days the Lord did what? Now, what is that a reference back to? What is that a reference back to? To creation. He's saying, let's go back to Eden. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the, the sea and all that in them and rested the... Therefore the Lord did what? 
Oh, my God. How many know that when God blesses something, the blessing of God cannot be removed on stuff he blessed? That's why some of y'all are still alive today, even though you cut it up, cut, cut up and act the fool because God put his hands on you. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, nowhere in the Bible is the seventh day called the Sabbath of the Jews. Now, why am I even saying that? Some of y'all trying to, why, why are you even bringing that out, preacher? Because there are those who say, if you keep the Sabbath, then you're being legalistic like the Jews. We live in Cleveland. We got a lot of Jews here. Come on, say amen. I live in Cleveland Heights, so I'm, I'm with them all the time. They're my neighbors. But let me share something with you. The Sabbath was not intended for the Jews. There's not a text in the Bible that says, this is the Sabbath that I've created for Jewish people. Exodus 20 and verse 10, the Bible says, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. It's his day. It ain't the Adventist day. It ain't my day. It ain't your day. The seventh day Sabbath is the Lord's day. Am I, am I not reading the Bible right? Help me out now, y'all. Am I reading? Am I reading, am I, am I reading this thing right here? It says it is the Sabbath of the Lord. That word is Yahweh. It is the God that's always going where he's coming from. I told you the other night. To get to where he is, to find out he's already there. It is the I am God. God says my Sabbath is mine. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Now, notice Mark 2.27 says, The Sabbath was made for man. Now, who's, who's the owner of the Sabbath? The Lord, right? Who's the owner of the Sabbath? Based on the word, right? Then the next question is, it belongs to God. He's the owner. He's the ruler. He sets the temperature. He sets the blessings. He sanctifies it. But to whom did the Lord make it for? The Bible says, and this is the words of Jesus. This is the words of Jesus. The Sabbath was made for man. And not man... You know what this is really saying? A couple things. First thing it's saying, God made this for you. Don't, don't feel uncomfortable. Let's enjoy the word tonight, all right? Don't, don't be offended because all we're doing is just chilling in Genesis, the, Genesis, the first three chapters. We are, every Christian I know agrees that Genesis, the, the, the first three chapters, is still the word of God. But the words of Jesus even make it more clear. He says, first of all, I made this for you. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that in a second. Then he says, his point here now is, and not meant for the Sabbath, which is to say that the Sabbath has been made to be a blessing for you. You have not been created to serve the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was created to serve you. Oh, Lord, you ain't here, man. Y'all missing in here. Y'all missing it. Y'all missing it. The Sabbath has been made to bless you. Oh, Lord. Now, we talked about health the other night, and I'm going to preach this from a different angle tonight. What I want to argue tonight from the scriptures is that in this stress, this stressed 
out world. See, today, 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 diseases most likely to kill you, as we said the other night, are related to your lifestyle choices. Please hear me tonight. Heart disease, cancer, stroke, diabetes, high blood pressure, depression are based on lifestyle. Burnout, some of us are burnt out, worn out. Some folks are smoked out. Huh? Drugged out. You know, have you ever just gotten to a place in life where you were just tired? You woke up tired after a, long, after a night's sleep. And got back in the bed tired after a long day's work. You, you were just, you could take a nap and still work up tired. And you know what the issue is? Psychologists are showing us now that we live in a world that is stressed. A world that is overworked and overwhelmed and just overtaxed and overburdened. Uh, there are times where, where some of us just can't even spend a moment sitting still because we're so overwhelmed by life. We work ourselves to death so that we don't have to think about what we're dealing with. We get involved in relationships so that we don't have to focus on what's really going on. And so we're constantly bombarded. We have internet, we have television, we have jobs, we have, we have, we have hobbies, we've got, we've got stuff just coming at us and, and not to mention the stuff we got on the inside that we're dealing with. And so you got stuff on the outside that's overwhelming you and you got your own stuff, Lord have mercy. You got your own stuff you're dealing with that's pushing from the outside of you. So you're a non-stop stress ball. Am I not telling the truth, y'all? Man, I, you drive around in Cleveland, Ohio, or wherever you're from, and, and just cut off somebody. Thank you, my brother. Cut off somebody by mistake. Come on, say amen. I said by mistake. Amen now. Uh, look at somebody the wrong way. Folk are mad. Folk are angry. Folk, I mean, the other day I was driving my kids to school. And we were on uh, Lee Road in between, uh, like, Shaker and Van Aken, that area, you know? And the kids are going to Shaker Heights School in the morning. And, and these kids, I mean, ain't no red light, ain't no crosswalk. They just walk out in the middle of the street. I mean, I mean we're going 35, 25 miles an hour. The, I got the right of way. Come on now, the light is green. I mean, I know your pastor struggles with, you know, with the laws, but this time I'm on the right. Come on, say amen. And, 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 and old boy can't be, what, 15, 16. He just walks out in the middle of the street as if to say, I dare you. I dare you to hit me. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, the flesh wells up in you, and, you know, you, know, you better get on. You better. Help me, Lord, you know. And, and, and listen now, so, so I'm moving. I almost, I almost killed the boy. And I, and I push on the brakes and I blow my horn. Uh, that boy looked at me like, if you blow this horn again, I'm going to snatch you and your family out that car and blow your brain. He looked at me like I was wrong. And you know, the Lord just told me, he said, boy, you don't even know what that boy's going through. You don't know where, what, what is going on in his life. Folk, it used to be a time that Kids equaled happiness. Now, to be a kid means you're angry. I was watching one, another young man at the bus stop the other day, and, and he didn't have no headphones on or nothing. He just had his music. He just, no, the music was in his heart, and he was just, but he was angry. 
Have y'all seen these new t-shirts that our young folk are wearing? They have, they have skull and bones on them now. Everything is death and evil and everybody's mad. I'm on my hobby horse now. I was in the grocery store the other day. Why is it that black men, want, why is it always like, you know, I'm the type of guy that I speak to everybody. And so I see another brother, you know what I'm saying, my age, and, you know, I catch his eye, and I say, brother, how you doing? And it's almost like I'm threatening him. You know, he look back at you like, you know, who you talking to? You know what I'm saying? You know, what? Well, everybody's mad. Folk are angry. People are walking into their, their places of employment and they're blowing people's brains out. People are taking their own lives now. People are so under the weight of stress that they're taking drugs and medication just to keep them sedated and sound. What I'm telling you is, is if we did it the way God created it, if we went back to taking a day where we just said, Somebody right now just needs to take a deep breath because you came up in here stressed. I see folk coming up in church and they mad. My seat right here. Mad at the preacher, mad at everybody. They say amen angry. Everything is angry. Listen, I'm telling y'all the truth. Many of our marriages are crumbling because we can't even pause for a minute and just enjoy one another. I was talking to a couple the other day. And I was telling them, I said, listen, shut the television off. Shut it off. By the way, let me just throw this out here. Married folk, do you realize that sexual intimacy is on a downside in marriage relationships? This is a result of couples who don't have communication and connection with each other. They're too busy trying to make it. They're too busy trying to make money. They're too busy doing stuff, and, and they never have a moment where they can just look at one another in the eyes. And most of the time, when they do, they try to say, who are you? <clears throat> are y'all hearing me in here? We are stressed. Somebody just take a breath tonight. Just... I remember the first time, <laughs> I remember the first time I got a massage. Man, it was uncomfortable. I'm so used to tension, I didn't even know what it felt like to be relaxed. But I got out of that thing all like, <laughs> whoa, you know. And, and was told, and was told, they did some kind of thing on my heart, to see my heart said that if I keep going the way I was going in terms of stress and always being busy, they said that in about two years, my heart will be that of a 58-year-old man. Stress! What do Americans do with their time? Study based on ages 15 and up on an average day. This is what we do with our time. We sleep about 8.6 hours a day on average. Now, most of y'all know y'all don't sleep no, no eight hours. So this is on average. This is for all the folk that stay at home and do nothing. They bring y'all average up. <laughs> Leisure activities, TV, et cetera, five hours a day. Now, some people don't realize, you think television is relaxing? Well, try turning it off and sitting and see if it's relaxing. I mean, you watch the news here, and you, and you get angry. 
Am I, am I telling the truth? There's so much outside stimulation coming in. So we watch five hours of service. We work 3.7 hours a day. On average. <laughs> now y'all know how y'all do it. Y'all go to work at whatever, let's say nine, nine to five. Let's say nine to five. You go in at nine, still talking about the Sabbath, what God created for you. You go in at nine, you really don't do no work until after lunch. Come on, say amen in here. Don't you look at me like I, the, the devil is a lie. Y'all know I'm telling, amen lights. I can't get them to pray with me. Amen, somebody. Somebody talk to me in here. You don't do no work un, un, until lunch. Surfing the internet most of the time, sucking and jiving, just trying to get through the first half of the day. Come on, say amen. Then after lunch, you finally try to get something done, but you, you ate so much that you weighed down and you're tired now. And so by the time about three to five comes, you, you know you got to get something done. Come on. <laughs> household work. We spend about 1.8 hours a day household work. Miscellaneous, eating, attending school, 4.8 hours a day. Because ain't nobody cooking no more. Come on, ain't nobody cooking no more. We ain't cooking, cooking. I mean, cooking ain't taking a, 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 a microwave dinner and putting it in a microwave. Cooking ain't taking instant rice and putting it in a, come on in here, some That ain't cooking. <laughs> Attending school about 4.7 hours a day. So, so out of all that stuff, that's about 23.9 hours a day is accounted for. Our lives are cluttered. Now, watch this. Nine times as many Americans in TV. Nine times as many minutes. We watch nine times as many minutes watching television than leisure activity. We equate watching television with resting and spending time with family. Let me just pause here and say something about that. Families, when you're having dinner, turn the TV off. How can you know what's going on in one another's lives when you got the TV entertaining you while you're eating? Children spend more time watching TV than in school. And most studies show that children spend more time watching TV than spending quality time with their parents. I can't understand why these kids won't act right. That's all the stuff I've done for them. I'm working hard. I'm paying for this. I'm paying, but you ain't spending no time with them. So shut up. You ain't spending no time. Well, well, I'm out there working. I'm the three, third shift, second shift. I'm working all these. You still, you still got to spend time with them. Three hours a day on average, we watch television. For all attention, this is in US, USA Today, for all attention paid this last year to the public displays of the Ten Commandments, you think people would spend as much energy trying to follow them. 168 hours a week, we are busy. And you know what God is saying? He's saying, just give me 24 hours. Now, 24 hours, a Sabbath does not mean, notice the Bible doesn't say, remember the Sabbath day to come to church for two hours and go home and watch the Browns game, go home, watch college football, go home, go to the grocery store, go home, go get some, get some work done, go home and do this. The Sabbath is 24 hours of rest. Now, we'll talk about in a few days what that rest looks like. I may be able to get to a tiny bit of it uh, tonight. I've got 15 more minutes. The Hebrew word for Sabbath is the word Shabbat. Now, the word Shabbat is simple. It just means to cease, to stop. 
The implication of it is to stop what you were previously doing. So God for six days was doing what? He was working, right? He was creating. He was busy. He was involved in the world. On the Sabbath day, he, he's stepping aside from the world just to cease. Sabbath. The word. In over 105 languages in the world, the word for the seventh day of the week is Sabbath. Now, why do I put up that up there? Because some folk will say, well, I don't want to take Thursday as my Sabbath. Well, I'm going to take Monday. Monday fits into my schedule nicely. Well, guess what? Go ahead and do it. Enjoy yourself. But guess what? There's no blessing on that day. There's no blessing on it. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I love the Lord. The Lord is with me all the time. I worship him every day. That's fine. But the Bible says he blessed the seventh day. That was his day. Well, why did he? Because he wanted to. Because he's God. Because he can do what he wants to when he wants to. Don't you ask questions why? Do you realize scientific research, when you get a chance, go Google uh, circumspectum rhythms or circadian rhythms. Do you realize that our bodies and our lives are built on a seven-day weekly cycle? Studies have been done to show that people heal better on the seventh day. Y'all not hearing me now. Hospitals. The best day for healing is on the seventh day. Now, there's no scientific way to prove that except that we know that the only reason why that happens is because God blessed it. Look at this. The Sabbath, very important. We're going to look at Jesus and then we're done. 24, the Sabbath is 24 hours of interrupted time with God. The Sabbath, you know, this, you know why Sabbath is so hard? Because it's hard to be spiritual for that long. That's it, man. Come on, let's just be honest in here. It's hard to be spiritual for that long. It's hard not to have a conversation about what's going on, this, and what's going on. But to just be with God for 20, are you serious? Man, that's boring, you know. But for those of y'all who are desperate like I am, who are going through some stuff like I am, see, God will, see, hmm, let me just tell, let me talk about this for a minute. See, God will put your life, and he will allow you to get so overwhelmed. He will allow stuff to come into your life to bring you to the point that where you're on your knees, to spiritual rock bottom, where you get to a place where you wish Sabbath was every day of the week. Jesus used Sabbath to undo the effects of sin. I can't wait to show this. Sabbath gives men an advance on eternity. This is why I'm saying Sabbath, this is earth, a little bit of heaven on earth. What is heaven? Heaven is not streets of gold. Heaven is not a river of life. Heaven is not your golden slippers. Heaven is not your white robe. Heaven is not living in your mansion. I told y'all the other night, no such thing. But anyway, we're talking about it. Yeah, just ask me, I'll tell you. Uh, the, word, the word, when the Bible says there are many mansions, it actually means there are many rooms. So it, it's going to be a blinged out projects up in heaven. We're all going to be together. Come on, say amen. Many rooms, rooms, not, not mansions, rooms, anyway. We're all together. Come on, say amen. And so notice, Sabbath is, is, is practice for heaven. Because heaven is not heaven if God is not there. What makes heaven heaven is that God is there and there is nothing blocking me from being with him. So, so God says, I'm going to give you a Sabbath, Lord. 
I'm going to give you a day out of the week to give you a taste of what it's like when you get to heaven. Lord have mercy. If you won't enjoy the Sabbath down here, if you can't be still in his presence for just a day, if you can't just learn how to worship him for 24 hours, if you can't keep your mind off everything else just for a little while, then how are you going to go to heaven where they worshiping God every day? Sabbath is the closest thing to heaven on earth. Preparing for the Sabbath is like preparing for the coming of Jesus. Now watch this now. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and the Bible says the seventh day is the Sabbath. So this is the end of the week. The Sabbath is the what, everybody? It's the what of the week? It's the end. It's the what? Now, we're living in the end of, okay. So on Sunday, I'm getting ready for that day. Because that's my appointment with God. Let me illustrate. My wife and I got married on July the 22nd. 2001, right here in Cleveland, Ohio, at the Southeast Seventh-day Adventist Church. I love my wife every day. I tell her as much as I can remember every day I love her and how much she means to me, especially when I get in the doghouse. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> Check this out, though. And I can say, oh, I love my wife every day. I, I worship, I, you know, I spend time with her every day. But if I miss... July 22nd, 2011, then I'm going to get <laughs> knocked out. Come on, say amen, somebody. <laughs> I'm going to get dealt with. Come on, pray for the preacher, everybody. Because that day is a special day. It doesn't matter what I do all year long. I can't miss my anniversary. So notice now, I'm preparing even now for July 22nd. Come on, say amen. I can't tell y'all because it's, it's going to be our 10th year, so it's going to be a special surprise. But we're going to do it right. Come on, say amen. So the end of the week is the Sabbath. We're living in the end of time. For 52 times out of the year, God gives us practice on getting ready for our appointment with him. Y'all not hearing me in here. He knows how busy we are. He knows how we're prone to forget him. He knows how we're prone to get caught up in everything else except him. He knows how we can get caught up in what we can accomplish and not what he can do. So you know what he says? He says, I'm going to give you a day at the end of the week to tell you and to show you how to practice to get ready for my coming at the end of time. Come on in here, y'all. So when we prepare for the Sabbath, it's like preparing for the coming of the Lord. The Sabbath does what, everybody? It renews our relationship with God. Every relationship needs a point of time where you stop and enjoy yourselves. Number two, Sabbath reconnects us with nature. We get out, and we, and we come out of the concrete jungles of Cleveland. We go out to this nice emerald necklace y'all got around here, and we just stand around. We just enjoy the nature. How many know you can hear God better? I can't explain why. Why is it that you can hear God better out in nature than you can inside a house? Could be all them distractions we got up in there. Number three, it reconciles our relationship with family and friends. 
Sabbath is a good day to spend with your family. Number four, it rejuvenates us for the week to come. Listen, man, when I get, the end, when the end of the week comes, I'm like this. <laughs> Woo! I made it. Are y'all feeling me in here? The week just, I'm feeling like that now. I'm, I'm like, can't wait till Sabbath gets here. Because I can take a nap and not have to worry about nobody saying I ain't doing nothing. Come on, say amen. It reminds us of what is important. And it releases us for service to humanity. And it refocuses us on what, everybody? It refocuses us on heaven. Ezekiel 20 and 12 says, Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a what? Sign between them and me. That they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. The crucial word in there is the word know. That we might know him. We might spend time with him. Ezekiel 20, 20. And hollow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you, that ye may, there it goes, that ye may know that I am the Lord. We're going to look at this on this coming Sunday night. Uh, I have to tell my favorite story right now as I close. There is a movie, uh, most of you have heard me tell this before, it's called The Notebook. Uh, they call it a chick flick, you know. They say it's one of those movies that the ladies like. Uh, I watched it with my wife. And in this particular movie, there was an older couple, and an older gentleman played by, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah? James Garner. What was the name of the show he used to have back in the day? I can't remember. Yeah, Rockford Files, that guy. So James Garner would, would come to this nursing home and visit this old lady. And, and it was obvious that this woman had an had, had a issue with either dementia or, or some phase of an extreme amnesia. And so, Alzheimer's or whatever have you. And so he would come and he would read to her out of this little notebook. And he would read her a love story. And, and, and every time he would read it, for a split second, she would come out of her amnesia and be like, oh my goodness, it's you, you're my baby. As you began to watch the movie, you discovered that this was really her husband who was coming to visit her at the nursing home. But because of her condition, she, could, she did not realize that it was him until he read from the notebook. Well, as the movie progressed, I mean, he was so relentless. He would come visit her almost every day and stay all day. And he had to put up with her not knowing who he was. There were times he would come in and he would try to talk with her and spend time with her. And she would get hostile. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You've experienced it. She would get hostile with him. Get him out of here. But as soon as he started reading from the notebook, for a split second, she would have a moment of clarity. And she would say, oh, my goodness, it's you. And they would enjoy that moment together. At the end of the movie, they ended up dying together as he read the notebook to her. And I said, you know what? The notebook is much like the Sabbath. God knows in this hostile world that we live in, we have a tendency to forget. We get spiritual dementia. We get spiritual Alzheimer's. I, listen, I, I hear people, I worship God every day. I do too, but I'm just going to tell you something. We are prone to forget God. 
Is it not easy, brothers and sisters, when you're going through, I, I just want to confess tonight that the first thing I do when I'm going through, most, I, I, sometimes I'd like to admit that I pray first, but many times I try to figure out how am I going to get myself out of this situation? Because of our sinful condition, we're prone to forget God. We're prone to forget his blessings. We're prone to forget how he's made ways out of no ways. We're prone to forget where he's brought us from. We're prone to forget that we were strung out on alcohol and strung out on drugs and we were loose out in the streets and, and we were acting a fool and in, in everything and doing everything. We're prone to forget where God has brought us. We're prone to forget how he has made blessings come in our lives when we didn't know where the blessings were going to come from. We're prone to forget that when times when we were in a rock between a rock and a hard place God stepped in right on we're prone to forget but see this is what I like about God y'all forgive me tonight but I get excited about this see God knows that I have spiritual amnesia God knows I'm prone to forget but see God is he is resilient He's persistent like that old man, and he keeps on coming. He keeps on coming, and he keeps on waiting. And at the end of the week, he's standing here waiting, saying, when you finally get through with all your stuff, I want you to know I'm standing right here. I'm waiting on you, and I want to read you my love story. Can I tell you what the love story is? He came down here from heaven. He came as the spotless son of God and he wrapped himself in human flesh. Can I tell you the story? And then he lived a perfect life uh, that no one understood. Not even his disciples knew what he was about. And then the Bible says that they hung him high and they stretched him wide. And he was beaten and cursed and mocked. But he died for my sin. Can I tell you the story? The Bible says that he died on Friday and rested on Sabbath. But early Sunday morning, he rose with all power in his hand. Can I tell you the story? Then the Bible says that he's in the heavenly sanctuary right now praying for you. <laughs> when you don't have strength to pray, when you don't have the words to pray, when all you can do is cry, your father, your daddy is praying for you. And guess what? That's not it. Right now, he's getting ready. He's organizing his angels. Uh, heaven is having a rehearsal party right now for the great getting up morning when he shall come through clouds of glory. The Bible says it'll be the size of a cloud about the size of a man's head and, and it'll get bigger and brighter and millions of millions and millions and millions of angels will be shouting antiphonally, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty. Lift up your heads. Oh, ye gates. He's coming soon. But you got to take time. I'm not preaching to you Adventism. I'm not preaching to you. I'm not preaching to you Judaism. I'm telling you that God wants to be with you so bad. He says, just give me one day. All to myself. How many need to just come into his presence? He says, come unto me. All you that labor. I, I listen, I, and I hear you now. I know, I know most of Christianity is not doing this, and that's why most of Christianity is so full of hypocrites. Because you can't stand in the presence of God and be shady and backbiting. You can't keep his holy Sabbath. And there's some folk who claim they keep his Sabbath, but they don't really keep his Sabbath. Because all they do is keep a day, but they don't spend time with Jesus. What I'm calling you to right now is a relationship, a relationship that walks with him every day. But on the day of your anniversary, you say, God, I'm cutting everything else aside. Today, it's just me and you. Yeah. 
I want you right now to just take out your cards. and I'm not going to call you forward. I just, I just want you to take this card out here. Write your name, your address, your information. We want to pray for you. Look at here. You need to make a decision on this tonight because the word of God has been so clear. And notice what it says here in the box. It says, I want to give God all of me. Oh, no, this ain't the right one. Where's the, where's the right one at? Give me the new card. Where's the new card at? What color is it? That's it right here? Blue. Let me see that thing. Yes, there it is. First, I thank God for the Sabbath. This thing is a blessing. And then, you, then, then I want you to check this if this is your desire. I want to experience God's Sabbath rest according to his word. If you want to experience it, not just not working, not just going to church, but to experience the fullness of what it means to be restored and rejuvenated. And then somebody may say, I want to open my heart, open the door to Jesus right now. Or there may be somebody that wants to get baptized. Somebody needs to join this church. Somebody wants to experience truth as it is in God's word. You're tired of being lied to, but you want to walk in truth. How many know that the Bible says that ye shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free? Whatever your desire is, I want you to check that right now. Whatever it is, it's between you and God. It's nobody else's business. Whatever your desire is, just take a moment. Just take a moment right now. He's sweet, I know. Thank you, Lord. He's sweet, I know. Storm clouds may rise. Thank you, Lord. Strong winds may blow. But I'll tell the this part that I found a Savior and he's sweet I know let us pray Father by the grace of God tonight I just wanted to inspire your people not guilt them, not beat them down, but to show them that what you have given to us is a blessing. We need it. We need the Sabbath. We've got to have it. Some of us are about to lose our minds, but you have provided for us an oasis in the desert of time where we can just pause and, and you can start working on us, touching us, healing us, restoring us, and giving us just enough strength to make it to the next day. Now, God, you can do that every day. But the Sabbath day is blessed. <laughs> There's something special about that day. And I pray tonight that, it, that the word of God has just inspired somebody to go back to the old landmarks. To go back to creation. Lord, I pray right now that you will give them sweet rest. Not just physical but spiritual, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I want to invite the ushers if they will just collect an offering at the door as you leave. Turn in your cards to the ushers at the door. God bless you. Good to have you here. And for those of you who have never experienced and celebrated Sabbath before, this Sabbath, you can join us as we celebrate the Sabbath. 
We kick off our Sabbath celebration at 9.30 with study of the word, and then at 11.15 with preaching and teaching. And then after that, <laughs> some of you might just need to go to the park and just, just sit in his presence. We've got a good weekend this weekend, y'all. God gave us great weather this weekend. This is a good weekend. I know you got stuff to deal with, but I'm telling you, less is more. The less you do, the more God can do. You might just want to spend some, grab, grab your family and, and go out to one of these parks and just walk and enjoy one another's company. Take a picnic and just sit down and eat. But, but just for the first time in your life, somebody really needs to enjoy the Sabbath. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you. And of course, we'll see you on Sunday night as we'll continue on our last week of flight school. God bless you. Turn in your cards as well as your offering to the ushers at the doors. And we hope you have a wonderful evening.